A house is made of wood and stone, but only love can make a home. Welcome to the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, helping you make your home into one you'll love even more. On News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Saturday, Haley. Happy Saturday. Happy Saturday to you. Living the dream? Well, yeah. Yeah, we're heading into an Easter weekend. That's fun. Lots of family time. It's one of my favorite holidays, actually. If yeah. not my most favorite. Yeah. See, growing up, I always loved, well, of course, Christmas, because there were presents. <laughs> now I've grown up and I appreciate the religious significance of all sure. of these things. But then... But also... Presents. Presents. <laughs> They're pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm excited. Uh, we're not doing some big family stuff this year, but I'm going to be home with the kids and I've got a turkey ready to go. And I've learned I cooked a turkey a couple of weeks ago <laughs> right. and I made a few mistakes, some newbie mistakes, mm-hmm. and I'm going to adjust the system and produce the best thing ever. That's all coming up, but I'm excited to give it a try. What do you got going? I really just love the candy of Easter. Oh, really? No. You're still stuck on the candy. <laughs> it really does, though. I mean, Halloween candy is known for its candy, but it's not anything special. It's just mini versions of normal candy. That's Easter true. has its own candy. That's true. Cadbury, jelly beans. None of this stuff is like super popular the rest of the year. All the marshmallow stuff. Well, it's not easy to get jelly beans in your in your trick-or-treat baskets. Yeah. I always hated people that did that. <laughs> Dump a handful of loose. <laughs> what are you thinking? <laughs> anyway, Haley's all hung up on the candy of Easter. I'm going to just move us professionally into the rest of the show. We've got a lot coming up today. We're going to be talking about deck stains at the end. And I know deck stains are confusing. You know, you look at all the different options out there. And it's hard to know which one's right for your scenario. Mm-hmm. Is there a better you know, one to choose given what you're working with. There is. Yes. And we're going to walk you through all of that coming up the end. We're also going to be on the phone with Zach Krieger from Ayers Basement Systems talking about damp basements. Yeah, this is a really cool segment, actually. Yeah. What can you do to dry out those basements and make those usable spaces again? Zach's got all kinds of info. It's going to be great. That's coming up next. But right now, Haley's going to talk about something that she started probably a month or so ago, on our Instagram page. Yeah, it was the 1st of March when I started it. And so we're going to do these monthly color palettes. Last month, it was mostly greens with a couple neutrals mixed in. So how many colors? Give people an idea right off the bat what you're talking about. Six colors. So very simplified color palette. Six colors. Last month was... Greens with some neutrals mixed in. This month is going to be kind of some warmer tones like terracotta, yellow, but still with some neutrals like white and black. And it's just an easier place to start sometimes rather than having the entire color chip rack in front of you. If you can start with a more limited palette of colors and draw some inspiration or at least, you know, decide on a direction. Right. Because what you do is you've got the color palette that you post on Instagram and then you mix in all these interior photos that use combinations of these colors yes right maybe not exactly the color but the tone the idea is presented so you can see it being used in multiple manners you know see some of these tones as accents see them as the main color and you start to see what happens when they're weighted more heavily in one direction than another you know how much control over a room does that color have yes is that where you want to go with your colors and what was really fun last month is that you interspersed amongst all of those 
illustrations from children's books. Right, because, I mean, these palettes that I'm posting are supposed to be your inspiration, but my inspiration for creating them comes from things outside of that, like these children's illustrations from vintage books. And it was so fun to find those things and see the same colors kind of being used and even the palettes coming together out of one single illustration for an entire room. But this month, I was really inspired by pottery and terracotta, um, really ceramic art. So it'll be fun to intermix that stuff. Right. So let's walk them through the palette for this month and what colors you've chosen and then also where we might want to use them, mm-hmm. how we might want to use them in our own spaces. Yeah, this color palette recharge for April is really a lot of warm tones. The desert, kind of high desert colors are popular right now. So terracottas, we've got one called burnt sienna, there's Audubon russet, but then we've got some I guess more classic colors that we think about, like a dusty pink or just a warm gold. We still have a couple neutrals, like the floral white and black panther. Um, But a lot of these are going to be pretty specific to a space. (laughs) Okay, what do you mean? So the terracotta colors or those burnt rust colors are a little strong. Right, You've got to be pretty intentional about where you're going to place these in a room. I really like to see them as an accent wall, maybe just on millwork even, or as a mural kind of accent. Mm -hmm. And when I say mural, I guess I'm just talking about a simple geometric form that's a solid block color. Talk about that a minute, because you always, you know, when we're off air, when we're working on other stuff, you'll throw around that word, mural, mural, Mm -hmm. mural. And we've gone back and forth where I've I've said, but not everybody can. Haley's an artist. You come from an art background. Yeah. And not everybody can just do that. Because what I picture of as a mural is not necessarily what you're talking about. Like a whole scene. Yeah. Yeah. You're talking about some geometric shapes. Yes. Just talk about a few of the things you've seen that are inspiring you. So kind of like the simple rainbow shape is popular right now, just a nice simple arch. And you could do that just by taping up the sides. Um I guess you would tape off like a big rectangle, but then you're just cutting out the corners. Okay. Um, So that can be easily accomplished by anyone. And then just squares even. Um, Same colors overlapping or would you bring in other colors from the palette? I've seen it both ways and I think either can work. It just really depends on your space. But triangles are another one that I've seen. Circles, really just simple geometric shapes. I actually saw something, I believe it was on Instagram, where they painted into a corner a rectangle about maybe four feet up. Yep. And into a corner. So it was about four foot down one wall and maybe two foot the other direction. So it wasn't centered on that corner. And then they just hung art within that when it was done. Right, exactly. Very cool. It's a really nice project. And I think that some of these strong colors are perfect for that kind of thing. I don't know that they're going to be an entire room for everyone. Another example of that in this palette is the Black Panther. Yeah, talk about that because that is so interesting. You've had black in both of the palettes. Mm And it's intentional. Black is a really um, trendy color right now. And it's actually been making its way into mainstream design for like four years now. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of people are still afraid of it. (laughs) But that's why I want to have it in these palettes to show people how it can be used. And where would you use it? I know we're going to see pictures throughout the month. Mm -hmm. But give us a little preview. I think that this is a great color for accent walls. Um, on cabinets even. I've seen it on exteriors. It looks beautiful. 
but I have always told people that if you're thinking about painting an exterior black, you need to consider that this is a really saturated color, which means it's going to fade a little bit faster. You're depending on a lot more pigment there, and that's what's going to go first. But the other thing is that, yeah, it's like a black car. I mean, imagine your whole house is that car now, so it's drawing in all the heat. Your energy bills are going to go up. So maybe not a great exterior (laughs) choice. But it's out there. People do it. inside, a lot of places, I know last Last year, two years ago, we were talking to Exalta Wood Finishes, and they were predicting kitchen trends and mm-hmm. black kitchens. That was coming in big, cabinets and all of that. So Absolutely. Definitely something to check out. I think it's interesting because there's so many different uh, variations. on. It's not just black. Just like off-whites right. aren't just white. There's so many different leanings or directions that it might go. Yeah. You can get really saturated. You can have softer blacks, bluer blacks, um, even the green undertone. There's no limit. And if you do try one of these colors off the palette, whether it's a rust color or the pink or the yellow, just remember that it totally depends on your own light, how successful this color is going to be. You always want to try multiple tone variations or shades and tints of a color before deciding on the right one. Exactly. The color palette's on our Instagram page right now. Mm-hmm. You can check it out there, Repcolite's Instagram page. If you use any of the colors, we'd love to see what you came up with. Just tag us, Repcolite Paints. Now, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to be on the phone with Zach Krieger from Ayers Basement Systems talking about how to keep our basements dry. Yeah. That's all coming up next. Stay tuned. Helping you turn your house into your dream home. This is the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, presented by Benjamin Moore on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. And we're back. And Haley, I'm excited to talk about this stuff because I've talked over and over again on the show about a, a basement that I had at my old house yeah. that I'd get water in. And it was every spring, every heavy rain, you know, I'd, I'd always be nervous and I'd be down there looking and mm-hmm. when it would start to come in, there wasn't a sump pump hole or anything like that. So I had to get a shop vac and vacuum it oh, up geez. to keep it from becoming a major problem. And I would gripe and complain. And well, yeah. then actually at work, I ran into, as I was complaining about my little bit of water around the perimeter of my room. Yeah. I'm talking to one of my coworkers at the time at the Lakewood store who actually had his entire basement flood that week. Oh. He had three feet of water in his basement. Yeah, that so, made you feel a little bad, huh? Well, I felt bad, you know, because I wasn't getting the sympathy I felt I deserved <laughs> at that point because we had to focus on his story, which apparently sure. was so much worse. But anyway, we struggle with that. It's a great space in the home, and a lot of the times in certain homes, we can't even use it. It stinks or it's wet. What do you do? Yeah, there's a lot of value that's lost there. Right. Now, we're on the phone with Zach Krieger from Ayers Basement Systems. He's the resident expert in sales. And Zach, I guess I'm wondering what that exactly means you do. So I'm basically just one of our, our leaders in the department. I help train. I, you know, I facilitate um, on-site training. I go on ride-along. So I'm really there just as a support function to the rest of our sales team. Awesome. Perfect. So we've got you on the phone. Ayers Basement Systems. I've seen you guys at home shows, you know, the home and garden show, the new home and remodeling show when we used to do those. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Before Absolutely. COVID. Yeah. <laughs> and I always saw your booth there and I always wanted to talk to you guys, but I was always busy. So right now, why don't you just take a minute and tell us a little bit about Ayers Basement Systems and what you guys really do? Well, I, I think the, the first thing to, to recognize, right, and Haley hit it spot on, is that 
people are losing a lot of value in their home. They, they, you know, this is the biggest asset that they own. And typically that space downstairs could be used for storage. It's a place that they could, you know, enjoy their family or, or have little kids hanging out mm-hmm. um, or potentially even, you know, finish it off and, and add more value by putting a bedroom or, or other recreational space. And I think that, um, you know, it's a big problem to tackle. And so what we do is we think about permanent solutions. Um, I do want to point out that we're not a restoration company, so we're not going to come in and just suck the water out and leave you uh, for the next time that that basement might flood. We design a permanent solution so that you never have to worry about these problems again. That's All right. Awesome. So you will help us figure it out no matter what it is. I, I guess I'm stuck with that because I don't know exactly why the basement is flooding. You know, if my sump pump failed, mm-hmm. I know that that's the cause. Right. But with my basement, it wasn't that. You can help me figure it out and then you can solve that. Or are there places that you'll direct me or do you think you normally can solve pretty much all of them? So we've been in business for 40, uh, 40 years. We're actually celebrating our 40th anniversary and we're really proud of that. Uh, we've fixed over 50,000 uh, customers' homes with permanent solutions. And wow. so I'm really confident that we can uh, you know, help you solve your issue and anybody else's that we run into. All right. So let's talk about some of the most common things that you run into and the solutions that, you know, our our listeners might be able to explore should they be dealing with some of these things. Yeah, I think common symptoms that we hear about are, you know, musty smells, um, obviously water intrusion, um, you know, maybe having a finished space where you're noticing dampness in the carpet or mold, you know, starting to creep up the baseboard of the drywall. Um, You might have that kind of that damp feeling when you go down into the basement. Uh, And and so, you know, people are are sick of shop backing, right? They're sick of walking down there and and being scared to find another problem that maybe they didn't do before. So, you know, our approach is very simple. Uh, We want to come in and and do a diagnosis so that we understand more about your individual home. Uh, You know, tell us about all the problems that you've been experiencing. We're going to do a complete inspection inside and out. Uh, so that we can find all the issues, show them to you, and then you know design a solution with you that's going to give you the best possible protection for the life of that structure. So kind of like a custom system that works for your problem. Exactly, and and so I'm sure you know in the number of homes that you guys get get the chance to enter, right? No, no two homes are really built the same way. From you know back in the 1800s till obviously the early 2000s, building codes have changed a lot. Right. Uh, and one of the things we take a lot of pride in is being able to do a thorough inspection and really find the issue that you're experiencing. Well, and I really liked the diagram that you had on the website where it shows the clay bowl effect. I had never considered that, that in excavating, they're loosening all the soil right around the house. So then all of the water is just gathering there and forcing its way in. That's a great point. And I think one of the things that I'd like to, to just touch on is a term called hydrostatic pressure. And so what hydrostatic pressure is, is it's exactly that, right? Uh, during construction, we built uh, basically a giant bowl in the ground. So we just excavated, made this massive swimming pool, if you will, and then stuck a house in it by building a footing, a wall, and then pouring a floor. So when you think about what happens when it rains, right, all of that loose fill in and around your home yeah. allows water to seep in very quickly, get right down to the bottom of the uh, that foundation. And as those water columns continue to build, that pressure is starting to force its way in. And because of the construction of your home, right, you've got, again, the footing, the wall and the floor. Those are basically like three rocks touching each other. So there's a cold joint between each individual piece of concrete. And as that pressure builds, the water 
seeks the path of least resistance. And before you know it, you've got the shot back out, cleaning up a mess. So what do some of the solutions look like for, you know, a couple of given problems? So if we're, if we're getting into basement waterproofing, uh, typically, you know, we'll design an interior waterproofing solution. So basically we're going to open up the floor. We're going to excavate around the perimeter of your home on the inside, not on the outside. Mm -hmm. And we're going to accept that water, uh, into one of our patented products. And we're going to take that to a sump pump. So, uh, there's a couple of reasons why we, we enjoy doing this from the inside. Um, number one is the environment. We can control that. They're, we're not exposed to, to freezing and thawing. I mean, we all know the different seasons that happen uh, in the mm-hmm. great state of Michigan, and <laughs> it's really hard to control the outdoor environment. So we, we have found over 40 years, it's really hard to stop water. Yeah. It's much easier to control, you know, to accept it and then control where it goes. Yeah, just direct it. So exactly. is this a French drain system or is that an old term that doesn't apply to what you're talking about? Yeah, I think that most people probably would refer to this as a quote unquote fr- uh, French drain. That's kind of a landscaping term where um, y- you're thinking of like corrugated tile um, that would be maybe ran on the outside of a home near mm-hmm. a ditch, uh, you know, collected with stone. Um, again, we have a patented product called WaterGuard, which will protect not only your floor from from getting wet, but it'll also protect the walls as well. Um, and it's something that we can give you a lifetime warranty on fully transferable. If you ever decide to sell your property. Oh, wow. All right. So you dig around the perimeter of the room is what you're saying, right? You open up the floor. Yep. What does the finished product look like? It, it almost looks like we were never there. We actually will lay that concrete back on top. The only thing that you'll see around the edges of the room is a little bit uh, of a wall flange. And again, that's designed to be able to tuck a vapor barrier onto the wall, down into the system. So in the event that you have a a wall crack or a wall leak, that water will be captured, directed to that system, and then eventually making its way to the sump sump pump that will be able to mechanically evacuate that from the home. Okay. So with my old space, my old house, it was an unfinished basement. So no big deal. You know, I could live with all of that. Now, is this something that I could, could have, should I wanted to, install drywall and finish the space off? Or do I need to leave these things that you do? Do I have to have access to them in case there's a problem down the road? Well, and that's one of the great things about our system um, is we've designed it to be finished after the fact. So uh, we understand that this is a space that's got tremendous value for homeowners uh, everywhere. And so what what we do is once we've got your, your basement completely dried out, we actually offer uh, another myriad of solutions. We call them pre-finishing products that would get your basement ready to be finished. So you can actually, uh, you can hang sheetrock. We've got other uh, products that we like to offer to get your basement nice and warm after it's dry so that when you go to finish it, that really becomes a comfortable space. All right, Zach, we got to take a break here for just a minute. I'm wondering, I've got a couple other questions. Could you hang with us over that break and then we'll pick it up on the other side? I'd be happy to. All right, we'll be back in just a minute with Zach Krieger from Ayers Basement Systems talking about how to dry out our basements or rather keep them from getting (laughs) wet in the first place. That's all coming up next. Stay tuned. If you want to take your DIY skills up a rung, the Repco Light Home Improvement Show is here to give you a boost on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. 
And we're back, and Haley and I are on the phone with Zach Krieger from Ayers Basement Systems. Zach's the resident expert in sales, right, Zach? Absolutely, yeah. I'm out in customers' homes every day of the week, um, helping them diagnose what's going on with their homes so that we can help design a permanent solution so they never have to worry about those problems. Right, and the problems that we're specifically tackling in this situation are water in the basement. Yeah. You know, really frustrating a basement space. It can provide so much extra space, so much extra value for your home. But if it's wet, if it's damp, if it's musty and mold, it's just not fun to be in. And there are solutions, better solutions than just walking around with a shop vac when yes. the water starts coming in. <laughs> now, Zach, we went to break uh, talking about, I just asked you to talk about a few of the common problems that you run into and what your solutions look like. And we tackled, you know, one of them in the last segment. What other things do people normally run into that you've got a great solution for? Yeah, I think... Um Touching on the sump pump itself is something extremely important to the design of the system. You know, we can we can put a waterproofing system in, but if we don't if we don't design where that water goes and have a plan for that, mm-hmm. you know, we're setting our customers up for failure. So we have a solution. It's called the triple safe sump pump system. And we've designed this because we've seen customers all over the place, right? You, you come downstairs, you notice that a circuit breaker has tripped and mm-hmm. your pump isn't evacuating the water, right? what do you think might happen? The basement's just going to get flooded. Um, There's other situations where the sump pump might be too old and it's, you know, it's a mechanical device. So it just stopped working again, walk downstairs and geez, there's water everywhere Mm -hmm. because that sump pump stopped, uh, stopped working. Or the third thing that might happen um, is the power goes out completely. Right. Yes. What do you, what do you do then? Now you're, you're searching for a generator out in the garage and hoping you can hook it up fast enough to get it going. So the triple safe sump pump solution uh, is three independent operating pumps. There's one lowest in the crock. It's a third horsepower pump that will handle any pumping under normal circumstances. There's a secondary pump, a half horsepower pump set a bit higher in the crock, and that will activate depending on the level of capacity. So if the first pump can't handle all of the water, Mm -hmm. the second pump will turn on and help that pump, you know, in tandem. And then the third pump is the ultra sump battery backup, and that pump will kick on if both pumps are overloaded or if the power fails. So you're basically covered in all of those different scenarios. Um, and you never have to worry about, you know, especially customers that want that ultimate peace of mind. Maybe they travel a little bit or they're away from their home. This is the sump pump solution that will really change their life because it really gives them peace of mind. Definitely. Now, we talked about sump pumps maybe five weeks ago or so yeah, on the show. maybe a month ago. And I don't know that we got to talk about all the things that we dug into, but we had a lot of questions. And now you've kind of opened the opened the can here and I'm going to ask. Yeah. So okay. the... the the three sump pumps, we ran into your system and it was very intriguing. The three pumps, the two of them are, are electric, correct? They are. And then one of them is the battery backup. Yep. So how long does that battery backup run? So you've got about 12,000 gallons of pumping capacity on a single charge. Um, what that would look like is approximately a four foot tall swimming pool by about 20 feet long. That's about, you know, filled to the top. That's about the, the amount of water you're going to be able to pump. That's going to depend on how much water is coming into the, the sump pump, you know, how much mm-hmm. is actually entering the sump crock itself, um, and then the duration of that cycle. So it's really hard to pinpoint how long you sure. have, um, but it, in normal circumstances, it's going to buy you enough time for the power to get back on before that basement gets wet. And is that how people usually use these? They, they bank on it, hoping that it, it lasts until the power comes back on? Or is, do they use it as a mad scramble time 
to find a generator. Because for me, I can look in my garage all day long, but I'm not going to find one. <laughs> I've got to go to the neighbor's garage. And that's tricky because we're going to sure. have to distract him first and then get it out. Do people use it? At, you know, they just wait for the power to come back on or I guess it's up to the person, right? What do you normally see happen? Yeah, I mean, I think that you kind of opened the door for me on a little shameless plug. I mean, if we want to get into Kohler power later, we can do that because we're a whole home power servicer. Um, however, yeah, I'd say most people, you know, if you live somewhere near the grid, you're going to restore power within 72 hours in most cases. Mm-hmm. That's in our experience, we've seen that to be enough time uh, for people to, you know, to get that water out operating on just the battery backup. All right. Well, I I know what you're going to say, but I guess I'm going to ask it anyway, (laughs) because we talked about it. There's battery backups yes, where the actual backup pump is a a, a secondary pump that runs on a battery. And then there was another kind of system where it was the same pump, you know, your normal sump pump that you, you know, so you only have that one was connected to a battery that kicked on if the power went out. Right. Do you understand what I'm saying, Zach? Yeah, I do. And so the here's the here's the biggest thing that we want to think about, right? We want to make sure that the customer is prepared for a wide range of solutions and, and problems. And mm-hmm. I think that if you're if you don't have more than one one pump in the sump pump crock itself, you're susceptible to only one failure. And so if, if that pump stops operating for any reason, you're kind of out of luck, right? And right. so to have the redundancy built in to a special crock liner that we've designed so that, Mm -hmm. you know, the floats aren't getting hung up on themselves. There's an airtight lid so that, you know, objects can't fall down into it to hang things up. I mean, that's another thing I've seen time and time, time again is, you know, Hey, my sump pump stopped working. We get out there. There's some kind of object from the basement. Let's say a a Nerf football fell in there and the the float can't go up anymore. (laughs) That's a, that's a huge problem. Right. And it's, it's something that was easily fixed by just creating an airtight lid. Um, you know, that's clamped down so that nothing can fall in there and obstruct that flow. No, I I really did think that of all the systems that we saw, yours was the one that seemed like it made the most sense. Exactly. And I think one of the things that um, separates, you know, our company from a lot of other contractors that that may be in this uh, niche market is that we specialize in basement waterproofing. That's that's what we do every day. And we're really proud of the fact that we manufacture our own products. We test them, we've engineered them, and they're specifically designed for basement waterproofing. We're not, you know, sourcing material uh, from big box stores mm-hmm. and then repurposing them to achieve these goals. These are products that are designed specifically to keep your basement dry and keep them dry all the time. Perfect. So many cool things. You guys are located where? So we're in Lansing, Michigan. Uh, we actually just uh, bought a, a brick and mortar um, over in Grand Rapids. So we're coming to the west side. We're really excited about that. Awesome. We do service the entire state of Michigan from Mackinac City all the way down to Fort Wayne, Indiana. Um, but we're really happy to have a building over on the west side. And, and you know, we're, we're hoping to service all of those customers along the lakeshore. All right. So if our listeners have any questions about damp basements, mold and mildew smells, they're interested in this sump pump system, How's the best way to get in touch? Well, you can either give us a call at 866-379-1669, or you can uh, give us a shout at goairs.com. There's a little button in your upper right-hand corner that says free estimate. We would love to come out and take a look. All right. Zach Krieger from Ayers Basement Systems. Thanks so much for being here today. Thanks, Dan.
Now, all right, we've got to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to be talking about deck products because when it comes to choosing the right product for your deck, there are a lot of options out there and it can get very confusing very quickly. We're going to cut through all of that confusion just ahead. Stay tuned. If you want to take your DIY skills up a rung, the Repco Light Home Improvement Show is here to give you a boost on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. And we're back, and you know what? I don't even care. <laughs> because I am in vacation mode. I You've got senioritis. What? You've got like senioritis. Is that an age thing? <laughs> no. <laughs> what? When like high school seniors are like checked out because oh. they're going to graduate. It doesn't matter anymore. They've got their grades. Yes. Senioritis. Yes. Yeah. In that regard. <laughs> it's not an age thing. Good heavens. I'm not calling you a senior Well, no, but right I just now. got an email that talked about, what was that? I was going to talk about it, but it had something to do with me being a senior now. Senior discount stuff. I'm not a senior. What's technically a senior? <laughs> I really... I Well, I'm not there. Okay. I haven't even hit 50. Yeah, you're not there. I'm not there yet. No. So, okay. No, I, I'm just excited for my vacation. That's what you mean by senioritis. Mm -hmm. You're checked out. I am checked out. I don't even care anymore because <laughs> I am off next week. Now, the downside is every vacation that I think back on, I'm always excited about it as we lead up to it. Yes. And then the week happens. And, and it's you're like, that was a week? Well, no. It's always like, oh. this is not what I anticipated. Something oh, is going to break. I see. Something at home will break. Something severe. <laughs> and then I'll have to spend most of the week trying to fix it. So it's not really a vacation. No. And then I'll have to crab a lot and the children will be sick of listening to it. <laughs> but right now, this is the one golden moment of every vacation. It's before it's it's really fallen apart yet. That is kind of sadly I'm true, isn't still it? still excited. Yeah. Yeah. So right now I'm living the dream. <laughs> you know, and a, and a lot of folks are looking at spring break coming mm -hmm. up next week. And sadly, a lot of college students are not. Yeah, what a bummer for I these know. kids. My daughter at Grand Valley was informed that there's no spring break. Right. And so all these kids are, you know, missing out on what? I mean, that's like a key I just feel concept like, of college right, is, it is spring break. But they've already missed out on so much as it is. I mean, it's just like par for course at this point. Yeah, they're used to it now. Yeah. They're used to being shafted <laughs> and missing out on good stuff. Anyway, right now, a lot of us are focused on spring break. But coming up soon, with, with all the nice weather, we're going to be turning our attention to our decks. Because really, those are spaces that we want to get the most out of. Yeah. And after a Michigan winter, they normally don't really look all that great. Yeah, they're looking a little sad this time of year. So we get a lot of questions in the store at Repco Light and Port City Paints about when's the best time to start, how long before I can you know, start working on the deck, what do I need to do? And we're going to get to all of that stuff in another segment in the future, in the near future. But right now, we thought we'd address one of the other key questions that come up. And that's just, what is the best product to put on the deck? Because right. when you look into it, deck products can be very confusing because there's so many different options. And if you don't work with it all the time, it can seem very confusing. Yeah, there's all these descriptors that we're not necessarily familiar with because when we have paint, it's all opaque. <laughs> there's no question of opacity with that. So now the stain, it's kind of uncharted territory sometimes. Right, because you look on the shelf and you see a translucent mm -hmm. product or a semi-transparent. How are those different? Right. <laughs> right? And they're solid color. They're semi-solid. There's so many different options. Yeah. So we thought we'd walk through some of the basic ones, give you an idea what it is, where you might use it. And then 
Yeah, we'll, we'll basically try we'll to address a little more information then. Which one's best, right? Mm-hmm. So let's start with translucent wood protectors, and the product that Repcolite has is Deck and Dock. That's the one that we would say that we sell. That's a translucent wood protector. It's an oil-based product. And really, it's one of my favorite products to recommend for a deck, largely because the maintenance is so simple. Yeah, that's now, true. What it looks like is with a translucent coating, you see all of the wood graining, right? It doesn't yes. hide really It's definitely any a natural it. look. It's still got a little bit of pigment. It's not totally clear what we're talking about. It's got some kind of tint to it, like a cedar tint or a redwood tint. So you're still getting some color variation there. And there's some options. But with clear, totally clear, no tint, that's not going to give you the same UV protection. It is available, though. Right. And a lot of people will ask about that. They've got a pressure-treated deck. And they love that look. Mm -hmm. You know, they get it installed and they just love that look. And that's the color they want to maintain. Sure. And so we'll get a lot of questions. Can I just put a clear on that? And you can. The downside, as Haley's mentioning, is that there is no UV protection or very limited UV protection with a clear. Right. And clear is different than natural, too. I want to point that out because Mm -hmm. sometimes when you read natural on a translucent stain, you think, oh, well, that's just the natural wood tone. That's what I want, the natural wood. But that's still a tint. Right. It has a little bit of a color to it, and that gives you the UV protection. Mm -hmm. If you go with a clear, that wood is going to gray over time. You know, probably within a year, you're going to have that graying effect. Now, some people want that. They literally want that look. That's how you can get it. The clear will give you water repellency, but it's not going to give you UV protection. The reason I like these translucent coatings, the ones that have the UV protection, is because they're so easy to maintain. And what that means is when a year and a half or a year comes up, that's about the time frame you're going to get out of these. A year and a half is probably pushing it. Mm -hmm. And when that's up, though, it's just a matter of cleaning the deck and putting a new application down. A lot of the other ones that we're going to talk about, there's more work involved to get it ready. So translucent wood protectors, deck and dock, that's the one we recommend, Repcolite's product. Semi-transparent. Yep. The difference between translucent and semi-transparent. <laughs> semi-transparent has a lot more pigment to it. Yes. It's funny, though, that those names sound like they could be the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, the semi-transparent's got a little bit more pigment in it, so it's more color, essentially. It's not going to have as much of that natural wood grain coming out. But and you'll the, still see some of it. Yes, you'll still see some of it. It's not totally gone. Um, so you're getting more UV protection which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, when we're going to recode it now, we've got some more prep that goes into it first. Right. You need to get a lot of that off. And there's different cleaners that you would use. Benjamin Moore has Remove, which is a deck cleaner that's designed to remove the previous application or, or at least get as much off as possible. And that's important because if you don't do that with a semi-transparent, two or three applications of that start to look like a solid color stain. Yeah. <laughs> And then you run into those issues. So semi-transparents, the nice thing is that you're going to get some color, more color options than you would have had with a translucent. Downside is it takes a little more work to get the deck ready before you can put another application down. Now, the third option, the third main one that we're going to talk about are solid color stains. And these are commonly mistaken for paint. They look just like paint. Exactly. It's totally opaque. You're not going to see the wood grain anymore. It's not going to be as natural of a look. If you try to put a brown on a deck, 
that's a solid stain, it's not going to have the same color depth as a natural wood does now. Right. It's, it's going to look a little milky. It'll look like brown paint right. on the deck. You're not going to get that wood tone coming right. through. The upside is that you've got an incredible range of color. Oh, yeah. I mean, any of the Benjamin Moore colors can be put in their Arbor Coat solid stain. Right. The downside is that it shows traffic patterns much more readily. The translucent coatings, because you see so much wood grain through mm-hmm. it, the traffic patterns don't visually They're not as pop, obvious, right? yeah. Once you put a solid color stain on, you're going to see those patterns. It can also flake and peel. If you layer a lot of it, it, you've definitely got more option for peeling and flaking and stuff like that. Yeah, the prep is going to be super key again because we don't want this to start building up. You've got to really pay attention to how you're prepping the surface now when you recoat it. The upside is that it is touch-upable. Mm-hmm. I don't know that that's a word. Is that a word? <laughs> I think it gets the point across, though. You can touch it up. It can be touched up. Now, are the results flawless? Probably not. If it's faded for a year mm-hmm. and you put a new touch-up on it, you're going to see those spots. But it can be done should you need to. A plus is that you're getting the most UV protection at this point, though. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, what's the best? We go through all of those. Is there really a best? I think it all depends on the situation and the need. Now, if you've got a surface that can be cleaned and sanded to a near new or a like new condition, then the translucent is going to offer you the easiest maintenance down the road. Way easier than than some of the other options. Even though you have to do it more often, it's an easier process when you do. If you've got stains on the wood that can't be cleaned or you need more color options, well, that's where semi-transparent can actually step in and fill the gap. If you've got an exotic hardwood, we ought to get into that sometime, <laughs> but like Ipe or something, uh-huh, there's yeah. certain products that, you know, Australian timber oil from Cabot's is what we'd recommend if you're going to put anything on. The downside with those hardwoods, those exotic ones, is they're so hard that you're going to have to be redoing this probably every two or three months. Yeah, you just can't get the penetration that you really need for it to preserve it well. Yeah, you might be better off if you go that route to just let it gray. And deal with that without putting anything on it. It's going to be easier maintenance down the road. I feel like that's kind of what they were meant for anyways. Mm -hmm. So Yeah. So that's exotic hardwoods. Definitely stop out and ask if you're working with or considering that for your deck. If you're building, we can give you a lot more information about what's the best way to go with that. Composite deck. You know, if you've got a composite deck and, you know, we all know about those, the Trex decks that came out years back, they were going to last forever and they faded so fast. The early generation ones did. And those can be coated and stained yep. with Arbor Coat from Benjamin Moore, a solid yeah, color solid stain. Yeah, stain that we were just talking about. You can put that on those Trex decks and that's going to make it look like a color again instead of just this faded gray meh. Right. Now, those are the old ones, the early generation ones. In about 2010, they came out with a newer technology. Right. They called it CAPT and it's got a polymer cap on it, Mm -hmm, basically, basically. for lack of a better phrase. That's how they refer to it as. And that's designed to resist staining, fading, things like that. If you've got newer tech, Trex decking, that cannot be stained. No. So that you need to figure out and make sure. But if you've got old, early generation stuff, that potentially could be stained. And you still need to clean it first. If you are going to stain it, you've got to use what Benjamin Moore has as a composite deck cleaner. And not all of our stores have it all the time because... We don't see a ton of this happening out there, but it's kind of a nice thing to know that it exists. You can get it, and then you can stain it with this solid Arbor Coat. Bottom line, we can help you get your deck looking great again, and even though some of this is confusing, just stop out at any Repco Lighter Port City Paint Store. Tell us what you're working on. We'll make the recommendation to get you where you want to go. 
All right, that's all the time we've got. We're going to wrap it up. If you want to catch this one again, you can find it online at repcolite.com. And while you're there, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and you'll never miss another episode. And we love to see the before and afters on Instagram. If you're going to do any deck projects uh, this spring, tag us, Repcolite Paints, and we'll repost. All right. Have a great spring break. Have a great Easter. Happy Easter, everybody. Yeah. And whatever you do today, make sure paint's a part of it. All the Repcolite and Port City paint stores are open till 3, waiting to help. I'm Dan Hansen. And I'm Haley Johnson. Thanks for listening.